Blog Talk Radio. in Utopia, my friends. Welcome to the Rundgren Radio Show the night before the Utopia Tour officially begins. We are less than 24 hours from showtime, I believe. So I know all of you guys are getting really excited and jazzed and pumped up, and I think that's very proper (laughs) to do right now. I know I have to wait a few more days till I can see the show, but uh, Doug is planning on flying up and going to see the show tomorrow in Penn's Peak. The tour starts there in a place called Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, and it's going all over the country uh, through June 5th. So make sure that you get out there, buy your tickets, go see this lineup. Tonight's show is going to be mostly about that, but... uh, Of course, we are going to have some special guests. And first off, I'd like to welcome my co-host for the night. You guys may have heard of him. His name is Tom Jennings. Tom, are you there? I'm here. Are you there, Mel? Yes, sir. Yes, welcome. I'm so glad you were able to fill in for Doug tonight. I, you know, I, I, uh, as much as I love filling in for Doug, the real bonus is hanging out with you, Mel. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure and. I've had a great time every time that you and I have been together on the show, and I'm sure we're going to have a great time tonight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're making me blush. You're making me blush. Are you getting excited <laughs> about the tour? Um, I mean, you know, I'll tell you, I went to see Chasm Salton's Utopia in Sellersville, Pennsylvania, and it literally brought me to tears. I mean, I, I, I love this band so much. I've, I was a Utopia fan before I was ever a Todd Rundgren fan, and, um, I mean, I'm getting a little emotional about it right now. I'm Really fortunate. My uh, sister Kathleen is is gracious enough to host me in Atlanta, so she's flying me down. So I'll be with her and my wonderful brother-in-law Jack, and uh, so I get to experience the first show on this tour with with family, like actual blood family. And I know Doug Doug will be there as well. So you know my Utopia family and my family family. It just doesn't get any better than that, does it, Mel? No, no, that's wonderful. So uh, I can't figure out where we should start. I know that uh, I do want to toot mine and Doug's horn a little bit and talk about our Rungan Radio Year 11 uh, party that we're going to be hosting the night before the two Cleveland gigs. If you'll just give me a few minutes to talk about that, um, then we're going we're gonna to join you and, and talk some utopia stuff, if that's okay. All right, yep, I'm really, really looking forward to to this party, and anybody that's on the fence, get off the fence, 
Get off the fence. It's going to be a great time. Get off the fence. That's right. So a little bit of background. This is We're talking about the weekend of May 18th through the 21st, and we'll be hosting a party that Friday on May 18th at the Embassy Suites Hotel in Independence, Ohio, which is just outside of Cleveland, very near the Roxino uh, venue where Todd and the boys, which will include Willie Wilcox, Kazim Sultan, and Gil Asayas. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Maybe you can help me out there um, when we're going to play the the interview that you've done with Gil. He is replacing... The ever-popular Roger Powell and Ralph Shuckett. It's quite a tall order. Anyway, the night before the show in Cleveland, we'll be having a party, and we're going to be featuring our two favorite bands, Secret Society and Throw Money Fan Band. Y'all love them. You you know them and you love them. We're going to have cakes, and we're going to have appetizers at the party. Uh, The appetizers will be served kind of later in the evening because we we want the evening to go on a good long time. And if you want more information, you can go to rrpartyutopia.com. That's also where you can purchase your tickets for the the party. And we're also going to have party buses to take people from the hotel to the Roxino and back. And you'll need to purchase those tickets as well. Of course, uh, we would like to have people purchase their tickets uh, the sooner the better. That way we can get a more accurate head count on how big to make the cake and how many appetizers to order. But it's always a good time when our Rungan Radio family gets together. So think about it. Get off that fence, rrpartyutopia.com, and that's May 18th through 21st. Some news that has come out is that the uh, show in Chicago will be filmed for a DVD that's going to come out a little while later. So make sure that uh, you, if you're in Chicago, uh, look your best. Wear your RR shirts if you'd like. (laughs) Uh, 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 Doug has set up a page, sort of a sub-page of the Rungren Radio Facebook page where you can uh, post whether you'd like to get together with friends and fans before or after any of the shows that you're going to be attending. There's already been many that have been posted. Um, personally, I posted one about the Dallas pre-show. And uh, I think everybody, I think everybody's spoken for, so go on the, that page and sign up. Join if you want to go to any of these pre-show gatherings because I'm sure people are wanting a pretty good head count. So let's see, one more thing, and then we're going to get on to you, Tom. The uh, Todd Rundgren Music Channel at toddfans.com, as well as an app for your telephone that's 24-7, 365 days a year of nothing but Todd and Utopia music. Al Cannon does a great job with it, so we like to give him a little nod. Um, By the way, Tom, did you see any video of the cars getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the other day? In fact, I caught the um, Greg Hawk speech where he gave the nod to Todd. Nod to Todd, yeah, right. And I didn't see the performance, uh, so I I mean, I assume that they did well, but 
yeah, I, I just caught some of the induction speeches, and and they were they were all wonderful. They were very heartfelt. Yeah, that was very nice of Greg, and and he got quite a round of applause too. I know Todd doesn't care much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but it's it's wonderful to know that a lot of people do, and uh, and they they would love to see Todd supported on that. But you know, we've we've had that argument up and down for years. So um, anyway. Why don't we – well, and I want to also announce that we will be joined a little while later by Ken Sharp. He's the guy that has put together the Utopia Tour books that you may have heard about. So we're going to be talking to him in a little while. But I want to find out what have you sent us for us to listen to tonight. Oh, I've got a couple of little nuggets. That uh, for some from some interviews that I did with a couple of uh, I guess you can call them Todd related artists and o- over the years I've I've been very fortunate to have a part time vocation where I cover the music scene in Western New York mostly classic rock because I'm an old guy and you know the, when you, when you love an artist like Todd Rundgren it tends to take you in a lot of different musical directions uh, Utopia Todd Rundgren whichever. I mean, even if you look at all the people that Chasm's played with, I mean, Roger Powell, you know, a lot of people forget he played with David Bowie. But really, your, your tentacles are, are fairly long-reaching, if you will. And so somehow, whenever I do interviews with an artist that has any kind of weird connection to Todd, I always throw in a Todd question. So two of these interviews are uh, just – two of them are just snippets from interviews. One's from Joe Satriani and – I had actually thrown out a trivia question on Facebook. I think it was on John Pohida's Facebook page. He, was, he does some trivia stuff and whatnot, and I asked him who was the only artist ever to appear on both White Knight and the Todd double album other than Todd Rundgren. And you'll, you'll find out what the answer is when you listen to Joe Satriani, although I think I just gave you the answer. And then the other uh, little snippet is from John Ford Coley, who, of course, did – a cover version of Love is the Answer with England Dan, who's uh, since passed away. But both kind of neat little snippets. I don't know if you want to warm up with those. And then the third interview is with Gil. And Gil, um, I'll set that one up when we run the Gil interview. It's a little bit longer. It's about 15 minutes. But I think when you listen to the guy, you're just going to get that much more excited about seeing him on stage. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, he he seems just Perfect, a perfect fit here. But like you said, why don't we start with, uh, you mentioned Joe Satriani first. So let's run that, and then you can tell us if there's anything that you left out. Okay, hold, please. Okay. I'm a huge Todd Rundgren fan. You, you just did the song, uh, This Is Not a Drill. You know, Speaking of not having people in the same area, that project kind of came out of his isolation as a musician living in Hawaii. Um, how did you hook up with Todd, and uh, what was your thought of the final product? This is not a drill. Oh, well, uh, I've been a fan of Todd since I was in high school. Uh, I met, my name is actually on one of the posters that came out on, on the... Oh, that's of, right. I totally record. forgot. <laughs> I remember on my, the Todd album, yeah. The okay. side of my face is uh, pictured on the back of the Todd album taken at the, at the uh, Central Park. I mean, I was a real... Todd Rundgren fanatic when I was young. So fast forward decades later, and I'm having a conversation with Greg Bissonette, drummer that I've worked with quite a bit, and he's on tour with Ringo Starr, and and we're just talking on the phone, and he just says casually, oh, you know, I'm just hanging out backstage here with Todd, and I was like, 
oh my God, I can't believe it. You And he didn't know that I was such a Todd Rundgren fanatic. Anyway, so that was the first time I was actually able to at least get the message to Todd that I was a big fan and, and just to say hi. And he reached out uh, maybe about six months later uh, and, you know, said, hey, I'm doing this record that's just got a lot of different contributions from different artists. Do you want to send me anything, a riff, a completed song, anything you want? And um, so I sent him three or four songs that I had uh, uh, completed demos of and they were completed performances. And I just said, yeah, pick whatever you like and edit it and chop it, steal it, whatever you want to do, you know. And uh, so he picked that particular one and wrote a brilliant song around it and, and uh, you know, sort of wound up using uh, all my guitar work that I, that I had recorded at home. So I didn't get to hang out with him in the studio, but at least I got to be on a Todd Rundgren record. <laughs> you got to be on your second Todd album. I totally forgot about the story with you and the... And the uh and the Todd album. That's uh, that's really cool. That's great stuff. That's All right. right. I, I was, technically, I was singing on that record. Sounds <laughs> nice thousand other story, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's very cool. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So he was singing in, with the crowd. He didn't actually play on that album. Well, that's, again, that's kind of what makes it a little bit of a interesting trivia question and if you hear that quivering in my voice it's because i was standing outside in buffalo new york he had uh, joe called a little bit early and i had to go step out of the building that i was in because it had bad cell phone reception and it was about three below zero and i didn't have a coat on and i'm literally just completely chilled <laughs> to the bone so you can kind of hear it in my voice <laughs> well you know sometimes it's tough as a reporter isn't it uh, yeah, a part-time reporter that doesn't make much money. Otherwise, I'd have this nice cozy office and studio, but uh, we, we can't all be Eddie Trunk, you know? Right, right. That's, oh, yeah, I love him. Um, okay, well, uh, is, did you by chance ask him if he had seen any of the uh, the Todd shows where This Is Not a Drill was played? You know, I, I as a matter of fact, I do remember asking him that. Typically, like at the end of an interview, we just do some casual chatting and everything, and he had not seen it because I mentioned to him that I thought that Jesse Grass did an amazing job recreating that riff. And Joe has a very, very unique style. Um, my son and I just went to see him in a G3 concert, and, I mean, if you haven't had a chance to see Joe Satriani live, by all means, do it. He's just an incredible performer. The this, this, this show is it's just amazing. So I've seen him a few times. and uh, But, no, he had, he had not had a chance to see Todd perform it live. I think it would have been cool if maybe there was even an opportunity where he could just get up on stage and do the riff. But, again, I thought Jesse just crushed it when he played yeah. that live. I agree. I agree. So, oh, well, that's too bad, but – you never know. Maybe maybe another tour, a different tour other than the Utopia tour, and Todd will bring that one back out again because it's, oh, it's a killer song. I love it. Okay, yeah, well, it's let's... funny. You know, you, you talk to a lot of these guys, and they just, they just don't go to other concerts. You know, like Joe Satriani talks about he just doesn't go see a lot of other performers, which is why he wanted to do the G3 shows so that he could actually see other guitarists because he's out on the road so much. I imagine... Todd's got to be in a similar situation or chasm. You know, these guys 
it's their job. You know, you think on their night off, do they actually go to a concert and see another performer? You know, I, I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, it's like asking a professional hairstylist to cut your hair when it's their day off. That's that's true. Yeah. Very true. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the John Ford Coley clip. How did you um, – tell me the circumstances that you got to speak with John Ford Coley in the first place because I frankly haven't heard much from him in a long time. You know, it's interesting because he uh, he's represented by a guy named John Lappin, who is also Foreigner's publicist. And um, there's certain publicists that you work with that are just really – they're just really good people. And I, I always try to find some space for the different artists that they work with. And a lot of times if you work with some of the lesser-known artists, they're, they're really accommodating when it comes to some of the better-known artists, like a Foreigner. But uh, anyhow, John Ford Coley was coming to town. He – he tours as a solo act and plays venues probably about anywhere from 250 to 600 people. He's had a very prolific solo career, which I just was not familiar with at all. I'm kind of like you. I'm like, gosh, you know, whatever happened to John Ford Coley? And um, super nice guy to chat with. I think when you hear him talking, you can just tell he's got a very homespun, kind of lovable way about him and I imagine that comes across in a in a live performance as well. But um and we joked about the fact that he was John Ford Coley in the duo because England Dan obviously didn't use his real name England Dan. So when the duo broke up, it was sort of easier for him to transition into a solo artist and still be associated with the with the pair. And I I, you know, I can't for the life of me I can't even remember Dan's last name. Um but, yeah, he went on to do solo work as well, but he didn't have the name recognition because he didn't – I don't think he billed himself as England Dan. Hmm. I, I don't know why. I just thought his name really was England Dan. <laughs> it just rolls right <laughs> off the tongue. But uh, as we know that they they did a version of Love is the Answer, it was a big hit for them. Um, I personally think that the Utopia version is better, but I'm a little biased here. So why don't we get to this clip? It's about almost three minutes. So everybody, see you on the other side of this interview. Hold, please. <laughs> well, it, it's funny you mentioned about the, the hostility in the world. I guess that leads to uh, my next question. I'm, I'm actually a huge Utopia fan. They're my favorite band in the world. And, you know, of course, Todd Rundgren's a, a part of that group and, um, Love is the Answer is a song that, that you introduced to a whole new world of, of people. Uh, how did you come to discover that song, and have you ever had a chance to meet any of the guys in Utopia who originally recorded it? Uh, not the ones that have recently recorded it, but, I mean, I was always a huge Todd Rundgren fan. I thought that he was probably a musical genius that was overlooked. And uh, so, you know, when they, the, the record company, surprisingly enough, the guys in the record company, you know, the ones in the suits and the ties that normally you wouldn't think knew anything at all, they actually brought that song to us. And uh, I was really surprised when they did. I went, yeah, well, first of all, I mean, that song is closed in so much spiritual ambiguity, and it's classical, and it's rock, and it's got elements of, 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 um, gospel in it and thing, things like that. So it, it, for me, that was just a, uh, that was a no-brainer. And um, 
I, I went. Uh, I've seen Todd a couple of different times. As a matter of fact, he still holds the record for me as the most influential concert that I think I've ever been to. He played down in San Diego, and I went down to see him. And the only thing that I wanted him to do at a certain point was just to stop playing. I just wanted him to call it a night and get off the stage so that I could go back, say hello, and go home and play. He, he I mean, I never had been that inspired in my life. I just wanted to go back to the house and play. Wow. I, did, I mean, did you ever have a chance to, to meet him and discuss the fact that, uh, I mean, he performs Love is the Answer with the Ringo's All-Star Band now, and really your version was the one that kind of put it on the charts for him. Yeah, I've talked to Todd a number of times. I've seen him play a couple of times. He's a really nice guy, very appreciative. And, uh, again, you know, for me, he was just one of those musical geniuses that that I, I don't know why he didn't just really break out mainstream, but, gosh, it's one, one of my favorite artists. As a matter of fact, I think his healing CD was still one of my favorite um, records. A couple of years ago, I was in Nashville, and they said, what, it was a, a, an article that I read, and they said, what are your favorite um, uh, top five records? And Todd was like number three on that healing scene. Oh, kind of faded out there at the end. What was what was he saying? He was just, he, he had, uh, he was doing an article for, it sounds like a Nashville newspaper or something along those lines, and he was asked to list his favorite albums, and he listed Todd Rundgren's Healing as one mm-hmm. of his favorite albums. So definitely uh, definitely a huge Todd fan. And, I mean, as you can hear in his voice, just kind of a – I love the line when he describes Love is the Answer as clothed in spiritual ambiguity. It's like, yeah, I guess guess you really nailed the, the essence of the song. So uh, just kind of cool. As I said, just a fun guy, uh, a great live performer. If he does happen to come through town, I, I, he's another one I definitely would recommend that people catch. Cool, cool. Hey, we had a um, – I can't say it was a caller, but it was a texter that sent me a text during that little interview. And apparently England Dan's name was really Dan Seals, Jim Seals' brother Dan from Seals. the Seals. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Now it is coming back to my uh, my old brain. That is correct. Yeah. He was uh, the brother of the guy from Seals and Croft, and he did after Eng- England Dan and John Ford Coley. He I think he billed himself as Dan Seals, but just didn't quite have the the name recognition. And I think he went a different musical direction. But again, I'm kind of pulling it off the top of my head. And you know, we have a very musically savvy audience, so I'm sure somebody out there knows the full story of whatever happened to Dan Seals. <laughs> well, we want to thank Mindy Lang for texting me with that information. In case that comes up in, when you're playing trivia at the bar, you know, next Tuesday or whatever. Um, okay, so help me set up the Gil Asayas. Asayas? Uh, first of all, tell me how to pronounce his last name, if you know. I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> I see, yeah. I mean, we'll all know. I've seen it, I've seen it written, yeah. <laughs> okay, so he he is Israeli-born. He is a keyboardist synthesizer guy. And he, for anybody who's had their head in the sand, 
is going to be playing on this Utopia tour beginning tomorrow. Uh, he's a young guy, and he seems extremely talented. I can't wait to to watch him. Um, so set up the interview. Tell me, uh, give give me some backstory on this. Well, the backstory is my, uh, you know, I just recently took a new job. I went back into teaching during the day, and so I, I don't have access to social media like I used to, which is probably a good thing. But uh, nevertheless, as I was eagerly awaiting whoever the announcement, you know, whoever was going to be announced as the new keyboardist for Utopia, I kind of was harassing my sister Kathleen, you know, if she heard something during the day to, to let me know or whatever. So she found out before I did. And I immediately turned fanboy and tried to friend request him on Facebook. And evidently I, I was ahead of the, the curve because he accepted, he was crazy enough to accept my friend request. So uh, fast forward, you know, I sent him a, a message and I said, you know, hey, I, I'm a music writer. I'm a huge Utopia fan. Congratulations. Would love to be kind of the first person that was able to get an interview with you. And he he was like, sure, you know, let's let's pin this down. It's going to have to be late because rehearsals don't get out to like 930, but uh, we can go ahead and do it. So we scheduled the interview, but then he had to work through uh, Todd's management, which was kind of my fault. I should have realized that I should have put the request through Todd's management first for the formal interview request. So I've worked with um, Paul Maloney, who works for Eric Gardner. And I have to say, if, if Paul's listening or if anybody knows Paul, he's just an amazing guy to work with. He has a wonderful personality. Um, you know, he, he's just the perfect person to work with, Todd. And he's always been super accommodating with me. So he just got back to me right away and was like, yeah, we'll schedule something. So he, um, we were scheduled at 930 on a, I want to say like a, this past Friday night. And I guess rehearsals wound up going a little bit long, so we wound up talking about 1030 at night he messaged me he says I'm really tired can we push this out an hour and I'm like yeah you know no problem you're the one that's that's uh, taking time out for me and you know we got we got on the phone he was he's a pretty easy guy to talk to I, I don't want to give away too much in the what's in the interview and he was very cautious as far as he was you know didn't want to give any set list spoilers or anything like that and I will say that I spoke with both Paul Baloney from Todd's camp, and I had a chance to interview Chasm on Thursday for a feature that I'll be writing on the Utopia tour and everything. And Chasm just couldn't say enough wonderful things about him, and Paul couldn't say enough wonderful things about him. So I think everybody's going to be happy, like you said, but this is just really kind of an overview of, of Gil, who he is. I think it gives you a sense of who he is as a person. And I think what's neat is that you get to hear his perspective on the relationship of all the guys in the band from a guy that just, you know, like he wasn't a fan. You know, he's, he was a, a friend of Rebop Rundgren's and kind of fell into the job, but he, he goes into all that. So that's about okay. it. I don't think I got <laughs> – that may be longer the interview itself. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, everybody, uh, this is Tom Jennings' interview with Gil Asias. I guess I'll start with the first obvious question. I mean, you're going out on tour with Utopia, and, you know, I'm a huge fan and a music journalist. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could just start telling us about your background. I've read a little bit about your time in Israel. You were in a band that uh, did some original music, kind of Coldplay influence. Kind of start from the beginning, if you would. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I was born and raised in Israel. Both my parents are classical musicians. Started playing violin at the age of five and then picked up the piano when I was like eight, something like that. Eventually quit playing the violin, stuck with the piano, played classical music. And I got into jazz when I was like in, I was like 14 years old. Played a lot of jazz throughout high school. Then later on, kind of got into synthesizers and electronic music. And yeah, and then uh, around that time, like after when I was like 18 or 19, I put together this band with some friends and we, we created original music that was kind of uh, like Brit rock inspired, a little cold playish, radiohead ish. Um, we did that for a few years, toured the States a bit, recorded a couple of albums. That was basically it for that band. And then I, I uh, moved to the States uh, just a couple of years ago when I was 29. Yeah, and it's been great ever since. <laughs> Why Portland, Oregon? Just out of curiosity. Um, so my wife and I were looking for a place that's not too uh, intense and crowded and crazy like New York City or something like that. But I really wanted a, a place that has a good music scene, too. You know, a lot of musicians, a lot of opportunities in music. So Portland kind of just uh, was right, you know, hit all the, what's the phrase, hit all the marks. Um, well, I guess in this case it definitely did because it kind of took you to this particular gig. And I, and, and Revop Rundgren is, is out in Portland. And how did you two wind up kind of crossing paths? Actually, so we played a show together, like, the same year that I moved, I think, he has a band. But then I didn't see him for a very long time. And then we met when I played at his venue. So he had like a, a little, well, the basement, his own basement. He turned into like a little music venue where he does these house concerts. So I was playing with a friend there and, and we met again. And I didn't know that he was related to uh, Todd. We just, we met there again and then... Uh, yeah, when Todd needed to find a keyboard player, Rebop recommended me and sent Todd my videos, and then Todd reached out. So you're, I mean, did you get phone call from Todd? It's like, hey, man, you're in. I mean, was there, a, was there an audition process before it was decided mm -hmm. upon, or how'd that all happen? So his son asked me for my email address. Then Todd sent me an email, told me they... Um, just asked me if I'm interested in doing it. I wasn't I wasn't familiar with with uh, Utopia's music at all. I'd never heard about the band, so I just kind of checked it out. I saw, oh, this is cool. Um, you know, this is my kind of music. A lot of synths, a lot of analog synth stuff, a lot of uh, cool chord changes, and and just interesting, you know, nice vocal parts and great songwriting. It just seemed to be, you know, exactly the kind of stuff I like. That was basically it. So I told him, yeah, I'm in. There was no audition or anything like that. I guess my audition was the videos that I have online that that, um, that uh, they saw. And, I mean, you must have an incredible ability to pick up material quickly because, I mean, you have to learn with having no background in Utopia's music, but even, I mean, I guess you had appreciation for their style. That still yeah. just had to be a mammoth undertaking. It was, but I, I canceled basically everything I had that week and uh, just, uh, you know, woodshed from morning to night, just learning their stuff. 
Yeah, it was it was uh, intense, but it's not the first time I've done something like that, you know, where I had to learn a ton of material in, in a very short period of time. So I was confident that I could do it. You know, I would have not said yes. And uh, I spoke to Ralph, you know, the, the, the keyboard player who was supposed to play but couldn't make it on the phone, and he was helpful, and he provided me with some charts as well and, um, you know, some tips. Talked to Todd and Willie and, and Catherine. And they were all really helpful. They answered all my questions. It was just, yeah, but it was just mostly shedding in the studio. So did you get an appreciation for Roger Powell? I mean, he, I mean, just an incredible keyboardist, and you could see how important he was to the sound of the band, especially that four-piece unit. Yeah, totally. And uh, after I was, uh, you know, after learning the Utopia stuff, I kind of checked out his solo stuff as well, which was really cool. Which he didn't he didn't put out a lot of that as far as I could tell, but the few tracks that I heard were really cool. He, uh, yeah, he's uh, extremely talented, and I love everything he did uh, on the Utopia stuff. It's really good. So, what was um, was there any particular track that maybe gave you a little bit more trouble than the other tracks? And 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 also, is there a Utopia song that like the second you heard it, you're like, oh my god, this is so great! I just love this tune. I wish I'd heard it a million years ago i really like their early stuff we're kind of playing a lot of material that kind of covers their whole the whole lifespan of utopia so uh the early stuff the proggy stuff that's really cool it's, it's just fun to play it's challenging and all the you know in all the right ways for me as a keyboard player and then the later stuff has its other challenges because it's you know poppier so i've got a lot more, a lot more synth stuff, a lot more sounds that need to be programmed. Some songs have like, you know, I'm switching between many patches in just one song. There's a lot of work just programming on the sound. Are you doing any supplemental drum work? Because I noticed that you do the the finger pad with the drums, which yeah, is really no, cool. I'm not doing this here. So that's something I do uh, with my, for my solo project, Glasses. Um, it started just as an experiment that I did like a year ago. I put out this video, and everyone loved it, so I just started making more of those. And um, as something I've been exploring, you know, solo, but no, there wouldn't. There, there's definitely not enough time to incorporate that in the utopia. Because not that they asked me to, because no one mentioned that. But even if they had wanted that, it's just that stuff requires a ton of practice. Yeah, I just, I mean, you as you've covered some of the kind of the the lifespan of Utopia sort of near the end of their career, the POV and Oblivion era, that would be more suited to the kind of, because I know Willie was incorporating some drum machines on top on top of his drums or whatever, so I didn't know if that was something that was potentially going to be added. And are you, I assume you're doing the harmonies or background vocals? Yes, I'm singing all of Roger's parts, a lot of falsettos. <laughs> but that's, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's been, that's been, not as difficult as learning all the keyboard parts. I guess the biggest challenge is doing both together because just a lot of coordination involved, a lot of just a lot of stuff to remember. You know, you got to remember the lyrics and and got to remember which notes to sing as well as which patches to select on your keyboard and <laughs> what parts to play. It's just uh, a lot to take in. But but you know, we just finished our last day of rehearsals and went really well, and and it's going to be great. Yeah, I guess I mean, you're starting the production rehearsals early next week. So any butterflies, any nervousness, or is this just kind of 
one of those things that, as a musician, you just sort of roll with it? Yeah, I'm not feeling nervous right now. You know, probably right before I get on stage for the first time, there'll be some butterflies. But right now, I'm feeling good, you know. Um, and, you know, we've, we've been practicing enough for, for us to feel confident in our ability, ability to play the stuff well. <laughs> so. Do you, I mean, do you have a sense, I mean, you, you, you didn't grow up a fan, you know, like I did, for example, um, just kind of the chemistry that these guys had musically, you know, Todd and Willie actually hadn't played together for, you know, 20 some odd years. And, um, I think that's what's really excited a lot of fans like myself or whatever, that these guys are back together. I mean, as a musician, do you feel that kind of extra emotion in the room? Willie and Todd haven't, yeah, like you said, they haven't played together. The last time they played together, I was six years old. (laughs) Wow. So uh, it's been a while, but uh, you can definitely tell that they have a lot of history, you know, like in a good way, of great chemistry and, and, you know, Willie and, and uh, cast them as a rhythm section. You know, they're really tight, really locked in. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it's just really cool to be able to, to join that, you know, and, and be a part of it, for sure. And, and you know, even though I, I hadn't heard Utopia's music before, like, if I had heard it, I would definitely be a fan. It's definitely my kind of music. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, and I'll make this the last question because I know you've had a long day, but... Um... No, no, don't worry about it. I, I'm... Yeah, we can chat for a while. I don't care. All right. Well, very cool. I know Chasm, you know, you did the video the other day, and he kind of said these Utopia fans are a little bit different. I'm sure you were getting inundated from, you know, guys like me or whatever that were just (laughs) reaching out to you and going, hey, man, you know, you're the new guy on the block and everything. Um, I mean, is that kind of fan adoration? I mean, you've been in bands before, so you're kind of used to fandom. But have you really experienced anything like that? Uh, before uh, in our, no, not, and what do you not think? Quite, not quite like this. Um, you know, it's been different because I haven't been part of a band that's as, as well known as Utopia and popular as Utopia. So um, this is definitely different. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm happy that so many people are, are stoked to see the band and I can't wait to start playing. And, and like, as far as just maybe physical or mental preparations, I mean, this is, I mean, I think you're going to be doing a lot of flying. It's probably not going to be a lot of kind of cramped quarters or anything like that. Um, is that something that, that excites you? I mean, you said you're married, so I don't know if this is going to have, like, an impact on your home life or anything and, and whatnot. I'm going to come and, and uh, you know, see some, uh, we're going to meet before at the end of the tour. So she's going to join me some of the shows. You know, I've toured before, so it's not my first time touring, but the first half of the tour, we're mostly driving. It's only the second half we were flying quite a lot. I'm totally fine with that. I've got my uh, my own little, my gear, so I can record my own stuff and work on my own music, and I've got a lot of things to do to kill the time, so I'm fine with that. So, so I guess now that you've added this Utopia stuff to your repertoire, I, I mean, do you, do you see that having maybe an influence on your solo work? is Has it maybe caused you to explore some things that you wouldn't have ever thought of exploring um, before you exposed sure. to this music? Yeah, I'm sure. Because first of all, like anything I hear has some kind of influence on me. You know? um, so, and, and this music, just, you know, being so involved 
and this music now for such a long time is definitely going to have a big impact on my writing. And it definitely makes me want to explore, uh, you know, harmony, vocal harmonies more. Because just being able, just seeing, like, hearing what it sounds like when, when four people are singing different parts and, and they blend in beautifully with the instrument, it just inspires me to, it's inspiring to, you know, create similar stuff or, or, not similar, but, you know, uh, and, uh, incorporate more vocal harmony music. And, and I, I know we mentioned Coldplay as one of your influences, but, again, how did you kind of get to the path where you were playing a lot of these analog synth things? And uh, yeah, Coldplay, I wouldn't say they're a huge influence. I kind of like their early stuff. Um, but I guess my biggest influence in terms of, like, you know, synthesizers and that was, Probably Radiohead, you know, probably one of my favorite bands, I would say. And and they use a lot of synths and analog stuff, and that kind of opened up that world uh, for me. But then once I got into that, I just started exploring a ton of music, you know, from like, you know, like stuff like em- uh, Keith Emerson and, and uh, you know, Herbie Hancock were using synths um, to like more modern stuff, you know. And analog stuff has made a big comeback. So everyone, you know, tons of bands are using that stuff right now. So, yeah, those were my main influences at first. Uh, Keith Emerson, I mean, that's uh, that's uh, that's a, a blast out of the past. Kind of had a, a tragic ending, but certainly I can hear the yeah. Keith Emerson influence and definitely the Herbie Hancock as well. I mean, both guys that were um, they they, they kind of had that kind of jazz background. I, I think I remember reading that. Roger Powell was more of it was Roger and Willie that were more of the jazz players, and Chasm yeah. was kind of the pop guy, and then Todd was the proggy guy. Yeah, well, you can hear that in Roger's playing in his solos. You can hear that he's got jazz chops. Sure. All right. Well, listen, uh, this has been a, a great amount of material. I'm really excited for the tour. I've got uh, got four dates on my calendar, which is a lot less than you, but <laughs> it's exciting <laughs> nonetheless. So. Uh, I'll be able cool. to catch that early show in Atlanta. And, oh, Atlanta? Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm flying down for that from New York. And uh, was this this probably isn't your first? Is this your first time in the Woodstock area? Uh, first time in yeah in this area, yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful part of the state. I live near Buffalo, near Niagara Falls, and whatnot. But uh, man, I love to to go down and catch shows there and everything. And there's obviously a lot of history with the band there, so it's uh, it's got to be very nice for them to be there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful here. It's kind of cold, but Portland is cold too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, again, thank you so much. Look forward to uh, to seeing your playing, and uh, hopefully, we'll be able to connect again. And maybe after the tour, um, we can kind of reconvene and and maybe talk about some of your impressions and things. And if that'd be okay. all right with you. Yeah, totally. Thanks, man. And uh, yeah, shoot me a message when you publish this. I'd love to. Man, what a cool guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh <clears throat> cool as a cucumber is really the only way I can describe him, but definitely I and I, I again I I think that the part of that interview that I really the kind of the the tone of it of him talking about Utopia's music from the eyes of a you know, 31-year-old from he said he was 29 when he moved to Portland 2 years ago. So uh, we can kind of gather that that's his age, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited. I think he's, you know, you 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 can't 
not miss Roger Powell because he was such an important part of Utopia, but I feel like at least his legacy is being honored and represented by a guy like Gil, who clearly appreciates Roger as a musician and appreciates the contribution that he had to the band. And to me, that's that's very important, you know? Oh, yes. Yes, and he does sound like he's treating the music, as, uh, you know, with a reverence. So, um, a reverence, not irreverence. <laughs> right. But, uh, well, it's sort of sad to hear that, uh, ladies, he's already spoken for because he's kind of cute. But uh, I think he's going to be fascinating to watch. In fact, I'm hoping that for at least one of the shows that I'm seeing that I will have, a, you know, a good angle to to watch him perform um, because those videos that he's got out on YouTube, uh, some of them are just, I don't know how he's doing that. Like you were mentioning with the the drumming, you know, I know he said he's not going to do that, but, but on a couple of those videos he does. And it's like, how does he keep up with himself? You know? (laughs) Yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting. I mean, if if it does turn out that the band is able to record some new material together, I think that Gil could definitely bring some pretty interesting stuff to the table. And I think that, yeah, I think it's good for Willie and Chasm and Todd to have somebody that's a little younger to kind of keep them young and and bring that excitement to the whole touring thing. I mean, look at look at what the Global Girls did for all those Todd shows. I mean, you know, these two young ladies with just so much energy, they, they added some great background vocals, um, you know, great visuals. I mean, the whole nine yards. And I think that, I think that's what kind of keeps these guys still kind of excited and still young. You know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be hard to go out on the road for three, four months at a time when you're starting to get on in years, you know, I'm, I'm 51 and there's, days it's just tough to get through the day i can't imagine having to go on a three-month tour and hitting hotels and all those types of things right right well we will soon find out because it's the eve of the utopia tour i can't say it enough people check and see if they are coming to your town and go to Ticketmaster and buy your tickets i know i know i hate Ticketmaster too but uh, I think it's it's promising to be a super fun show that's going to take people uh, of our age back to our teens and, and early 20s. And it, it's just, oh, how fun this is going to be. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you must remember, Mel, and I, I know because you and Doug put on that show in Akron. I mean, the, the roar of the crowd when the three guys came out with Prairie on drums. I mean, because it had, it had been so long since anybody had really heard that music performed by more than two of the members of the band. And, uh-huh. uh, and again, that was just a few shows. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like tomorrow when we hear the opening notes of, of the first song, you know, I, I, I mean, I wish I could be there. I mean, we're, we're all still going to have that sort of excitement in Cleveland uh, those of us are going in any of the other shows along the road. But I think I think Wednesday night, you know, when that first sets out and nobody really knows what they're going to play, it's it's going to be pretty exciting. And, and i got to ask you, Mel, are you going to are you going to want to know what songs are on the set list before you go to the show? Because I'm going to try to avoid it like the plague. <laughs> I just don't <laughs> want to know. 
You know, I I know I can't avoid it. It's going to be on Facebook, you know, and and I I oh, I say I want to be surprised, but I I think I'll still be excited. Um so yeah, I I want to know. <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm a cheater. I'm I can't fence. help it. I'm on the I was looking today on uh the the venue uh in Dallas that had posted, you know, make sure you get your tickets now. And of course, you know, all the smart Alex go on there and you know, they had read Todd's political views on Trump fans and this is Texas. I mean, we can't help it, but you know, people were saying never again, you know, I'll never listen to any Todd music again. And you know, of course there were other people that commented about well we don't want you there anyway and uh now i forgot where i was going with that but it 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 was the people that said that they're going and these are people i don't know these aren't you know run run radio listeners or anything like that people are jazzed about it and um oh i remember now there was one guy that said he's had bad experiences at todd shows in the past he is a fan but apparently he's a casual fan and he said, I'm not buying my ticket until I see the set list. And I kind of like, I just wanted to jump through my computer screen and say, you fool, you know, you can pretty much guess that it's at least going to be utopia music. But, you know, that's his loss if he doesn't listen to Rungren Radio or subscribe to our page or anything. So, whatever. Hey, listen, we've got... Uh, We've got a, another special guest on the phone, um, and I hope that you'll stay with me, Tom, to talk to oh, yeah. Ken Sharp, because I know he's been on hold for a little while here, and uh, we want we definitely want to talk to you, Ken. Let's see. I see your area code. All right. Hey, Ken, are you there? I'm here. How you guys doing? You're here with Mel and Tom. Hey, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing great. Very nice to meet you. I'm super excited to get a hold of your book, and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be I'm, great. It's going to be great. I'm super excited for people to get it. Well, tell us. Well, I know you work for Goldmine Magazine. Are you just a music lover, or or why why this Utopia tour book? Oh, okay. Well, no, 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 no. I um I've been a fan of Utopia. I'm from Philadelphia originally, um so you know the home of Todd, and certainly you know. Uh, Utopia was played all the time on the radio, and, and they were one of my favorite bands growing up. I got to see the band four times back in the day, and uh-huh. it wasn't enough. You know, I mean, I speak to so many other fans, and they're like, oh, I saw Utopia 30 times, and I'm like, oh, I only saw them four times. But four times was, you know, I, I'm still very, very uh, fortunate to have seen them. And, you know, if, if anyone asks me, you know, which band did I want to reunite, every time I've interviewed the guys through the years, I ask that question all the time, whether it's Chasm or Todd or Willie or, or Roger, and they're probably yeah. sick of it, but but I know I'm not the only one. And um, so I'm a music writer, I'm a musician, um, and I write for some magazines and do books and things like that. And uh, I've done some tour books in the past for people like Brian Wilson and Jeff Beck and Bad Company, people like that. And when when the dream announcement happened that Utopia was actually going to go out there on tour. Um, I called uh, Eric Gardner, who I know, 
and said, God, you know, I love this band so much. I have experience doing this. This would be a passion project. I would love to do a Utopia tour book. I think the last tour book that what came out on Utopia was, I think, in the late 70s. It was it was either for, I know there was a Raw one and possibly an, an Oops one. But beyond that, uh, I know there was a tour book for Japan, too. But in America, there hasn't been a tour book for over 30 years. Uh, actually, maybe even 40 years. So I felt, my God, this is such a momentous event. It The band deserved it. Okay, so you got the uh, the the go ahead, and I, yeah. I I I get the gist that you've contacted some photographers and maybe interviewed some of the band members. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I um I'd interviewed um the 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 latter day members of Utopia before, so I had a bunch of good material from them, and I did a really extensive interview um with Todd. Uh, with Todd Willie and Chasm, um, Goldmine. It's going to be a cover story in Goldmine um, coming out very very soon. And cool. uh, there's a, there's a much longer interview in the tour book. The the version that's in Goldmine is a much shorter version. The version in um, in the tour book I think is over nine thousand words. So it's a really extensive interview. Um, uh, and it's really cool. The each album has commentary from from band members. So it's the first record has commentary from Todd and Ralph Shuckett. Uh, Another Live has commentary from um, Todd, Ralph, and Willie, and Onward. So that's kind of the running theme throughout the book. But I I really hit up a lot of really very kind utopian friends and colleagues and new friends to help out that were photographers. And so many people stepped to the table so unselfishly. I'm so, so grateful and appreciative of of many of these people. Can I mention some of their names? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, well, obviously um, uh, w- one of the most helpful people throughout the process was Jim Snyder, who's a really great photographer. Uh, Clayton Call, Janet McCoska, uh, Mark Weiss, Bob Alford, Julian Baum, Stacey Katzis contributed a lot of great stuff, Terry Allen, Danny O'Connor, Chris Rasmussen, John Underwood, Anastasia Pancios, Mark Allen, Jeff Gauss, and Chris Ogle-Fowlett um, were all the people that provided uh, really great photos of Utopia through the years. And then there were other really, really kind folks who helped me uh, gather a lot of memorabilia. There's there's a, there's one cool page, which is a um, collage of really cool memorabilia. So people like Tracy Austin and and others um, were extremely, extremely helpful. And that's the best part of doing this tour book was not only doing it and wanting to have it selfishly, but the best part was just the, the great communion of friendship and, and, and helpfulness that I felt from the community. I've heard that so many times about this this weird community that we're in, but I I just love that part about us. I think yeah, yeah. And the we cool we are, this. you know, the Todd shows are just sort of a bonus sometimes. <laughs> in a way, in a way. And the cool thing about the tour book, you know, get, just getting back to it again briefly, is is originally it was supposed to be 28 pages, and I got carried I got carried away. Um, just because there was so much great material, so it's almost three times the size. It's actually 60 pages. Um, uh, 
of uh, of material, some really really great photos, and hopefully some good interview material. And it's just um, something I'm just so proud and and so appreciative to have been able to oversee and to have made a lot of new friends and rekindled friendships with people I was friends with. And it will be such a thrill um, uh, to get to get feedback from people about this. I think I think they're going to be pleased. Now did, I know you, that. These these books will be available uh, well at the RRXI party, but where yeah. where can people find these books if they're not coming to the party? Um, they will be sold at the shows. I think signed versions of of the tour book will be will be available. So I think Todd, Chasm, and Willie have signed tour books, and I think they'll be available throughout the tour. And at the end of the tour, I think when it's over, there's a chance I may be getting. Uh, I may be getting a batch of them, and I may be able to make those available for people that may have missed out. Okay, Tom, I I think you tried to jump in there. What what were you going to say? Did Did you have anything to do with the last uh, piece that they did in Goldmine on Utopia? Was, yeah, I yeah, I did. There was the, I, I, did uh, I did that. That was incredible. I mean, I I have to say, of all, and I, I'm not just. You know, I, I mean, I'm a writer myself. I'm clearly not your caliber, but not at I mean, all. Are you kidding was, me? You, that, you, that you was, do uh, you do great work. I've 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 list, I, I actually remember listening fairly recently to a really great interview you did with Willie, which was fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. I, I tell you that Todd Goldmine magazine, uh, it's one of the treasured pieces of memorabilia that I have in my collection, and you had the tubes in it as well. And there was uh, there was another great article on that, but. Man, yeah, I worship the work, tubes. So. I, I worship the tubes album, Remote Control, <laughs> probably more because Todd was involved, and his his fingerprints are all over that record too. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's funny. I just interviewed Prairie for a show that he they were coming to North Tonawanda, and uh, he it was one of the more candid conversations we'd had about like the the kind of headbutting between Fee and uh, Todd. And oh, I, wow. I mean, I guess I, I didn't realize the extent that, like David Foster was bringing in other musicians to perform on those tube al- tubes albums, and so yeah. the big fight was is they wanted, you know, Fee wanted commercial success, which those David Foster albums are great. But yeah, man, you know, musically, um, I think Love Bomb is is I mean, wow, that that whole second side of Love Bomb. I mean, if if you haven't heard it. Go out and hear it. it, it it's amazing. Oh it yeah, I, I, I saw the, 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 the last time I saw Utopia was when they were touring with the Tubes behind that record, actually in '85. So um, I'm familiar with the, the Love Bomb record, but I'm still so partial to Remote Control. I think top to bottom that record is great, and there's the song "Love's a Mystery," which is a beautiful ballad off that record, which I'm sure you know. And that just sounds like a ballad that. Todd would do in Utopia. I mean, it has the, the 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 fingerprints of Utopia all over that. Yeah, it's a funny. You know, it's funny. The inspiration, if I remember, the inspiration for the theme of watching a lot of TV was the fact that they all grew up in Arizona and it was so hot outside. You had to stay in the air conditioning, and thus you watched a bunch of TV. Very cool. Very cool, but what? Yeah, what? A, what? A, what a great! What a great record! But yeah, no, Tom, I'm definitely aware of your work, and you do really excellent, excellent work, and you have very good taste because we share the same taste in our love of Utopia and Todd. 
Absolutely. And we probably, neither one of us have been to a Katy Perry concert, because I know I haven't. No, I actually never have been to a Katy Perry. Nothing against <laughs> Katy Perry, actually. There's a lot of other people I, 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 I probably, that, that if you said of newer folks that I'm not really a fan of, but don't have too much, I don't really have anything against her, but um, but no, 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 I, I'm set in my ways. I think the music that I love the most is, is that music, you know, the formative years, you know, growing up in the 70s and the 80s especially the 70s, you know, and and the early 80s. I think that's the music that's always going to mean so much to me, and I just feel so lucky to be, you know, a native of Philadelphia, and, and, you know, Todd was was played all the time on the radio, and I feel that I was kind of, I I don't recall a moment when that music wasn't a part of what I was hearing on the radio, and, and, and thus Utopia as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you must know Mo- you must know Mootloo then, because Mootloo's a, a Philly guy, and he's uh, there's uh, he's just an incredible musician. I, I hope you had a chance to hear him. I know Mel knows him well. I don't oh, yeah. know of him, but I don't I don't know I don't know him, um, but oh, I know go, of him. Go go see him. He's very very good, very entertaining. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very well, cool. now you uh, backing up a little bit. You said that there's going to be an interview in. Goldmine Magazine coming up. Yeah, that- in fact, it was it was supposed to be um, Mel. It was supposed to be just a little image on the cover of Utopia, and then it would be another cover subject. But just the other day, the editor Pat Prince gave me the great word that Utopia is getting the full cover, which is fantastic. Awesome. Ooh, yes, yeah. Yes. Well, now, will that? Do you happen to know? Have you heard about Bill Bricker's project? Yes. Bill's a good okay. friend of mine, and and okay, I think are that those, issue they'll be oh they'll be in the same issue. Very good. I think it's going to be in the same issue. Yeah, Bill, my God, what an incredible artist! It's absolutely amazing what he does. Yeah, and what he creates. <laughs> it's it's pretty it's it's incredible. I just think there's so many talented people in this Utopia community that can that that are really really inspiring with what they do. Well, I, I definitely agree, and I think it's great that that the the two are going to meet in the same issue. That just makes sense, you know. It just yeah. does. So, yeah, so now um, I'm going to ask a question that if Doug was here, I'm sure he would want to know. Sure. And uh, we won't we won't go on at at length about it because this is a show about Todd and Utopia. But sure. you did a tour book in the past for. One of T- Doug's favorite bands, Kiss. Did you did oh, okay. you get to meet any of them, or just tell us a little <laughs> bit about the Kiss tour book? Yeah, well, I, I've done I've done many many things with Kiss. Actually, I co- I co-wrote uh, two books on Kiss. The last one was a book called Nothing to Lose, the making of Kiss, and it's a it's a really cool oral history about kind of the the, the making of a, a band. Um, and that was a book uh, with uh, Gene and Paul. And it's interesting, there's a little bit of Todd commentary in there, too. Todd actually saw the first big show that Kiss did, um, and I think I asked Todd about it, and I think there may be a quote from Todd in the book, but Kiss opened for um, quite a few bands uh, at the Academy of Music, December 31st, uh, '73. And uh, it was, I think, Iggy Pop, it was Iggy Pop and Blue Oyster Cult were on the bill, and um, 
another, at least one other band. Kiss was the first band, and I think that's the night that Gene Simmons first blew fire and uh, his hair caught fire. And supposedly <laughs> Todd went back, was backstage and was concerned, um, you know, that, that, you know, this kind of crazy guy was okay. Um, so, yeah, Todd actually was at, at that show. Um, ironically, so yeah, and I've done I've done books with Kiss. I've done some tour books. I worked I've actually worked on a lot of projects um, with them through the years. Yeah, I, I didn't know Doug was a fan of Kiss. That's interesting. Oh my gosh, Kiss! And well, here's Rush. another Kiss. Here's another Kiss Todd connection. Is um, for people that don't like Kiss, they actually have really good taste in music. They really like the, they have a much broader taste in music, and you, you might be surprised, you know, that the Beatles and Zeppelin and thing, the Who are their favorite groups, but there's a song on Kiss's uh, uh, third album, Dressed to Kill, called "Lover All I Can." And I've in one of the books I did on Kiss, there's uh, commentary about each song and each album. And I remember Paul Stanley, who wrote that, talked about how the intro of that song was him trying to cop "Open My Eyes" by by the Naz. So that was quite interesting. So even in a band like Kiss, there's there's a Todd connection, which is quite quite interesting. Well, Tom, if, if you're still there, um, yeah, you have, you have a much more of an encyclopedic mind than I do. But have you ever heard? I, I want to say Chasm said it once uh, that the raw stage production was as a result of Todd having gone and seen Kiss. I, I've i never heard it, but, I mean, I guess it would make sense. I mean, I think Kiss were really um, sort of the pioneers when it came to those big stage productions. And it's interesting, you know, you mentioned that they opened for people. I, I, I can't even imagine, like, what it would be like to follow Kiss because Kiss really – I mean, you mentioned Rush, too. I mean, Rush opened for Kiss, Foreigner opened for Kiss, and Sticks, and all the great arena rock bands at some point found their way uh, through Kiss, you know, and it's it's interesting to think that they had to open for somebody at, at some point. But, yeah, I, again, it wouldn't surprise me. Well, you know what's interesting, Mel and Tom, is that um, Eric Gardner actually was working with Kiss pre-working with Todd and Utopia. So I think Eric had – Pretty much, I think he was the guy that was the, the visionary behind the raw stage presentation, or at least was one of the main uh, uh, people behind that. So I think that perhaps there, there, it makes sense that there was some crossover, you know, with you know a band like Kiss that had this giant stage show that was you know built on the showmanship and all the visuals. And then you know you look at the raw show. I, it's a show I wish I was able to see. I've only seen a little bit of the video that exists. And it looks it looks absolutely stunning. I mean, I think they even had they certainly had the fire, um, the fireballs, and 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 obviously all the other really cool stuff that went on. So, but I do think there is probably a Kiss connection um, with that due to Eric working with the band. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, what else you got, Tom? Got well, any I, more questions just, for know, Ken and the the tour books? I'm sure you'll be getting a copy. Oh, I, yeah, I've, I've already, I've already got one set aside, so I'm good to go on <laughs> that. I'm very excited. Did, did, did um, Doug, um, did Doug tell you guys about the song that I, that I, did he pass on the song that I wrote about Utopia? You know, 
I I've texted him. He's at a meeting tonight, and so I guess he's got his phone. <laughs> uh, he had told us that he had uploaded your song called Utopia, right. and I, I saw that. I can't find it anywhere. Um, I know people can go and listen to it on your Facebook page. It's called Utopia, correct? Yeah, yeah, you can you can check it out on on iTunes or Amazon Music or things like that. Yeah, when 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 the announcement came, I work with a a great musician, a great producer, a named Fernando Perdomo, whose favorite artist of all time is 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 Todd and oh, Utopia. And, and in yeah. fact, he gave Todd one of Todd's black Mustangs was stolen, one of the ones he used in Utopia, and he actually gave Todd one of his guitars. Um, but but once I heard the reunion was happening, I was so inspired that I wrote a song that kind of speaks about the band as well as kind of the ethos of the fans, and I recorded it real quickly with Fernando and another good friend of mine, Rob Bonfilio, who's a big Todd Utopia freak from Philly, too, as well. And um, we put it out, and I've actually sent the song to uh, Willie and Chasm so far, and they both they both seem to like it, so that was... I, I, I breathed a sigh of relief with that. But, yeah, it's certainly a lot of love. And you can, if, if people seek out the song, they can definitely hear. Um, we're not copying anything. We're just copying the spirit and the joy and love of that band, which is part of our DNA. And, and uh, I wrote this song, Utopia, and we recorded it, and it, it turned out really, really good. Yes, and it's. I, I, I went and listened to it this afternoon. Of course, I... I really thought I would be able to play it on the show tonight, and I I dearly apologize for no not problem. finding. Um, I don't think the upload went through, but um, no I found it by going to your Facebook page, and then you had a link to I don't know, was it SoundCloud or something like that? It could have been a Bandcamp link, I think. Possibly. Bandcamp, that was it. Yes. Yeah, it could have been a Bandcamp link, but yeah, if people want to check it out. I would, I would, you know, I'd be grateful. Um, but yeah, so uh, I the the love I have for for Todd and Utopia goes beyond writing about the band. I'm actually writing about the band musically too. So um, that was something I was I was real proud to be able to to, to put together with Fernando and Rob. Well, we all we all yeah. definitely know Fernando around here. Um, so that didn't surprise me at all that he would be involved in. Your production of that—it's a real—it's a good good song. It's a well, I, I think I read somewhere that you have a fondness for the power pop part of Utopia, and it—it's very yeah. reminiscent. Of that. Yeah, I, 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 you know, if you ask me what what my favorite era would be, I would say probably Adventures, Adventures mm-hmm. through. POV, but I would say my two favorite records are Adventures and the Utopia 1982 album. But I, I you know, I do have a great appreciation for the f- the first two records, and I love Raw and I love Oops. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I, I lean much more towards the um, the the probably the popular uh, elements of Utopia. I mean, I, I worship the album to face the music. I I ask the band all the time, please, you know, if you ever get back together, do. Give us one song from the record. You don't have to do two. Just give us one. But I'll, I'll well, maybe hold out we'll hope. hear one coming up on this tour. Yeah. Well, at least Chasm Chasm did two in his recent shows, um, which was really great to hear. I just want to touch you in alone. So um, that was a thrill to see that online. Well, I can yeah, I can I can see them pulling out "Swing to the Right," you know, 
or, or something uh, for sure because of the political uh, implications. But I can't, I can't yeah. seem to find anything on DeFace that would be, you know, a political commentary, which is good. I, I don't necessarily like to hear a whole lot of politics, but yeah. And everybody like else it. is wrong. <laughs> that could work. Oh, well, that could work. That's right. <laughs> There's a, there's a lock silly boy <laughs> for the person in the White House. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's other uh, words you could use too, but we're on the radio, so we're not going to go there. <laughs> uh, well, we're not really yeah, regulated by the. Uh, I almost said FAA, but um, whatever. What were you going to say, <laughs> Tom? Tom, what were you going to say? I, you know, it's just, I'm glad you brought up DeFace. It's uh, it, it's an album I've always had a very conflicted relationship with. You know, it's probably the only one I. I mean, I I, I don't know. You know, it, and it it really. I actually asked Todd if Ringo had ever heard it when when he was on the Ringo tour and everything. And my favorite tune was always always late. But um, yeah, I guess the part the part of DeFace that that always kind of maybe scratched my head is that. Everyone talks about that, as, or at least the band does, and I think they've been very candid about it during the reunion, about how yeah. that album sort of derailed them. But it yeah. wasn't necessarily because DeFace was a bad or good album or indifferent. It was the timing, because it came out yeah. right around the time that John Lennon was murdered, and I yeah. mean, it was, that, that was the absolute worst time on earth to come out with a, a Beatles, whether you want to call it a, a parody or a... You know, I think it was done in a way that was showing reverence to the Beatles, but you could certainly take it as kind of a, a tad of mockery as well if you didn't maybe. Well, well you know what's funny is you you mentioned Always Late, and I like that one a lot too. Um, and it's interesting. The first time I saw Utopia was on the Swing to the Right tour, and I was screaming, screaming out all different song titles. Everybody else is wrong. I remember I was really screaming that one out, and. They did do one song um, from to face the music at that show, and it was always late. Yeah, I love how Todd goes, Willie, Willie. And, <laughs> and there was a, and there was a video that just uh, Fernando turned me on to something, and I think it's been up for a while, but I think it's in un, maybe it's the second show that the band did in Michigan on that tour, and it's on YouTube. And so it's an unexpurgated show, and they do um, another track. Um, I think they do feel too good from to face the music as well. And that was such a thrill to see. And, you know, I, I, I completely understand the conflicted nature that, that, that you share with the band with that record. But when you separate the songs and you just hear them, I think even Todd did that song in Japan too, um, as well. I think it's on a, a DVD uh, of, of Todd in Japan. But you know when you hear those songs, you know separate from the record, they, they they do stand up as really good songs. Yeah, I mean if I had to if I had to bet money on if they were just going to do one track from that album, I could see them let's say in the second set opening up with "I Just Want to Touch You" because that's that kind of a, that kind of would that kind of would be a good transition from like you know if the early set if they're going chronological and I, and I think they may. You know, yeah. I don't know what approach they would use, but if they did, and the early prog stop was in the, in the first set, I just want to touch you would be a really nice transition into the sort of the power pop era. Well, I, and, I have and again, a question for you guys, and I'll give you my answer too. What's the one song, whether or not they do it or not, what's the one song you would love to see them do the most? I can tell you guys my, I can give you guys my answer after you guys let me know, unless you want me to go first. <laughs> 
Why don't we let the lady go first? Mel, what do you got? Well, I'm going to go with what I think might open the second set, uh, the more pop version of Utopia. And I I got to go with uh, the road to Utopia, just like they did during the AWATS tour. Yeah, I love it. I love it. How, how about mm-hmm. you, Tom? You know, if I ever saw it live, I would just be floored. But the song Welcome to My Revolution off of a blow is just one of my absolute it, – it's really one of my top three favorite Utopia songs. I think Todd's vocal performance is really incredible. It's super intense, like uh, Temporary Sanity, which you yeah. know, came later on The Individualist. But, man, if they did something like that, my blood would just be flowing. Or Shinola would be uh, – Yeah, a lot of, I, I, I see a lot of people mention Shinola online, and that is a great one. Well, well mine is um, – the very last time to me that just oh, that yeah. encapsulates everything that even though you know Todd's talked about you know they they took the template of more than a feeling but but way beyond that they assimilated that and they made it their own thing and it, to me that has everything I love about the band in that song wow that's the one yeah I, I, yeah the most Road I, to I, Utopia I though more. is still Road to Utopia is, is, is another one that's going to get me kind of kind of teary-eyed. Um, I have a feeling well, I don't know if you were at the first AWOT show in Akron uh, when we we nobody knew who the ap- opening act was. Wow. Um, and you remember the theater went dark, everyone was excited, and then you heard that the little Morse code going. I mean, it's give it gives me chills to this day. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. a great opening song. <laughs> it is. It's such I, a great I, as far as the first set, the proggy set, Yeah. i got to go with what some people have said is communion with the sun. I think that would be a beautiful choice. I'd love to hear that one. Yeah, I would really love to hear that one. Yeah. That's probably my favorite of the prog, the real proggy stuff. I'd love yeah. to hear Magic Dragon Theater, but I think that one's probably not going to. I think that's – I'm just going to keep wishing on that. That's going to be like a Shinola. It's just going to be one that we're all going to wish for, but it's not going to happen. Well, who knows? Like like I said earlier in the show, 24 hours from now, if you want to know what the set list is, you'll be able to find it. Yeah, I want to know. I definitely want to know. <laughs> because <laughs> it's like you were saying earlier when I was listening when, you know, someone was saying, well, they're going to wait to see what the set list, and you said, well, it's going to be Utopia songs, and that should be more than enough to get you to a show. And I'm just so overjoyed that I'm going to have a chance to see this band again for the first time. And I haven't seen them in 33 years. Um, I didn't see the AWOTS. I, I went to the AWOTS show in L.A., and I was really, to be honest, I was – more interested in I love you know the A Watts album, the Wizard album, but I actually was even more excited about knowing about you know the uh, the little kind of mini Utopia set, and that mm-hmm. was the first show where Todd changed up and did a Johnson set instead. Johnson, and, that's right. And that was okay. I'm not a giant fan of the blues to be honest. I mean, it's one song's kind of enough. The whole set was a little too much. I mean, it was great because Todd really played and wailed and. And his tone was very similar to kind of the tone that he had in Uto- in, in the Naz, actually. It was a little less yeah. of a flange guitar t- type of tone. But I was actually really disappointed because that's what I really wanted to see. So I didn't get a chance to see 
Todd, Chasm, and Roger together. So this is going to be super, super exciting. But I have to wait. You know, the bad thing is I live on the West Coast now is I have, I mean, Tom, you're going to see them probably three or four times before I get to see them once. I'm sure you, Mel, will be the same. I'm not going to see them until probably Vegas. So it's going to be much farther down the road. But um, Fernando's going next Wednesday. Yeah, he's going to be in Florida to visit his son, so he's going to the show. So I'm extremely jealous, but I'm extremely excited, and I'm going to be sitting by the computer tomorrow night um, after 8 o'clock my time, West Coast, because I'm sure there will be some people that will be reporting from the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Facebook Live will be, you know, busting out. Hey, listen, yeah, guys, so we've, got, we've got a caller, uh, might have a question for one of you. Um, so let's see who this is. 262, we got you on the line. Hey, guys, it's CLB calling from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Hey. Hey. Um, I know we're all just excited as, like, can possibly be uh, about this and how it's going to, you know, affect all of us personally and our most favorite song. And it's been 44 years since I've seen a, the first Utopia show of my career. But I want to ask everybody to just take a brief moment and put in their thoughts um, well wishes to the island of Kauai, which has uh, suffered a completely catastrophic um, flooding situation. And we've heard that our friends at Tiki and Niki restaurant um, and Keone uh, and the house are okay. But um, I just, I, I know with our, our vast uh, energy as utopians, we can send out some serious uh, healing uh, energy to um, Todd and Michelle's home. So hopefully they don't have to worry about that too much while they uh, embark on this incredible uh, gift of a tour to all of us. And that's really all I had to say. Right. Well, well said. And, um, Yes, I, I can't believe the pictures. It's just it's it's mind-boggling. And um, but I'm glad to hear at least that the Rundgren properties are doing well. I think I saw something that <clears throat> that Tiki and Niki is is helping, like maybe feed some people and stuff or something. Do you know? I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. Um, Hanalei mm-hmm. got hit very hard, and and further west, um, and and Tiki and Niki is in Princeville. Um, that parking lot at the food land was completely underwater. And um, so, um, yeah, it was hit or miss. But, you know, 27 inches of rain in 24 hours, oh, wow. my God. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, it's the wettest spot on earth, but <laughs> it's not used to that uh, much wetness, uh, especially, you know, up on the plains, and, and, and it was just you know, washing the island away back into the ocean and, um, you know, livestock and livelihoods um, have been lost. And, and um, I just, uh, I can't imagine, you know, uh, 
trying to focus on what it is they're about to embark on with with that kind of concern in the back of their minds or in the front right. of their minds. So that's all. I just wanted everybody to take a brief moment and, you know, send out some really warm and dry thoughts to uh, the the beautiful island uh, that they call home. Utopian love, honey. Utopian yep. love. Okay. <laughs> love ya. Thanks, See you on the road, everybody. Bye. On the road to Utopia. Okay. All right. thought she might have a question, but that is true. That That's a big news story right now, and it would be bad to be, you know, have that on your mind, and you're getting ready to embark on this rather large tour that, that Todd and the boys are getting ready to do, so... Uh, utopian vibes are being sent from around the corners of the earth. So, do we do we need to know anything more about this tour book? How much it's going to cost? Do you have any idea? I don't actually. I don't know how much it's going to cost. Um, I think it's is it being be, handled I, by the merch people? Uh, yes, yes, yes. So I don't I don't have anything to do with with that side of it, but. I have a feeling it's going to be pretty reasonable. Hey, do you guys mind if I mention one other person that I forgot to mention? He was extremely helpful. His name is Warren, I think it's Hewitson, or Hewitson, H-E-W-E-T-S-O-N. He is perhaps the most uh, seasoned photo researcher in terms of Todd. He sent me so much material, uh, you know, tons of low-res material, just to look at and help me track down some people that we we didn't know who took some images as well. So he was tremendously helpful. I mean, he, I think he has thousands of shots of Todd and Utopia through the years, so he's a real, real hardcore collector and someone that I definitely want to tip the hat to for for, for being helpful. But, yeah, the, the tour book, you know, from what I understand, will be at all the shows. Um, I think the, uh, they'll only be available signed which is kind of cool, and um, uh, I know there's going to be a lot of other great stuff. I think Danny O'Connor produced probably quite a few different fabulous designs. Um, I think the the, uh, the Road to Utopia box set is also going to be available, and I'm sure there will be some other really great stuff. I need to save some money because I'm going to be buying a bunch of stuff at these shows for sure. <laughs> Oh my gosh! That, you know, it's funny. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm going, man. This tour is going to cost me some money, but uh, but it's well worth it. You know, I mean, you always you got to support the bands that you love. I, you know, I got a question when it, when you were putting together this stuff, and um, I know you mentioned my friend Jim Snyder. I'd like to say a shout out to him. Jim's such an incredibly talented photographer. But um, the was there anything anything you came across during the the when you were putting this thing together that you like had no clue about and was just a a real like wow, exciting moment. And maybe not a spoiler for somebody that's going to read the book, but just something no, from not, a fan's not, perspective. Not no clue about, but you know, we talked about the face of music, and that was a tour that was a very very short tour. The band did not do many shows behind that record, and there's been very few images that have that I've seen that have circulated, and I was able to track down some pretty cool images from. Um, I think it was a show in Passaic, New Jersey. Uh, I think it was Halloween, uh, 1980. So I was able to track down some stuff. Uh, a Cleveland photographer, Anastasia Pansios, found um, a really early shot of 
Todd uh, from, I think, the first or second Utopia tour. Really beautiful. Uh, we, we reproduced it as a full-page, beautiful black-and-white shot. I think Todd's playing the – it's a side, a side view. I, th- I, think, I think he's holding the double neck. And that was something that was really great. I mean, Warren, as I mentioned, I just mentioned him. He he was helpful with some things that I wasn't able to um, to, to nail down completely. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of surprises for just just with the amazing um, material that you know some of the fans and some of the professional photographers I tracked down. Um, you know, because sadly, Utopia never really. You know, if you think about it, you know, there weren't. That, there wasn't that much about the band in the press. I remember there was a great piece on them in Trouser Press, and and as Trouser Press earlier covered them. But I don't remember much. I don't remember many features in Rolling Stone, and I, there may have been something in Cream at some point. But I don't remember much of that. I think Circus may have covered the band, but Utopia I always felt was really under under covered in the press. Um, and I think that's another reason why I really wanted to do the tour book was just out of a selfish reason. I wanted to have a tour book, you know, um, and I knew that there were people that were like me as well that were kind of starving for anything on the band. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, have, to, yeah, I, I have to agree because, you know, we're talking about the days be long before the Internet was thought of. And um, so when you – you were lucky, first of all, at least here in Texas, you were lucky if you found out Todd Rundgren was coming to town. But you mm-hmm. never knew if it was going to be a Todd show or a Utopia show because it, it, they never told you. It was okay. just, come see Todd Rundgren. And yeah. um, that's how I lucked into seeing Utopia back in the 70s, I guess. Um, yeah, okay. 70s. Yeah, just because yeah. I thought I was going to a Todd show. Um, and of course, I'd read it in a printed newspaper somewhere. You know, that's how I knew that they were coming to, or he was coming to town. But yeah. the world's a different place now, so um, I think there, these people that don't know, you know, like this guy that that said, "I I'm not going to buy a ticket to see Utopia until I see a set list," because I've, I've been disappointed <laughs> by thought in the past. You know, do do a little bit of homework, and it, it won't take you two seconds to figure it out. Yeah, they're so. going to do Utopia songs. What could be better than that? I, that, that to me is uh, once they once someone tells me they're going to do Utopia songs, where can I buy my ticket? Mhm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, and you know the interesting thing is, you know, Tom mentioned, you know, he's going to see the band four times. I really think that there's, and I'm gonna I'm gonna certainly I think I'm gonna try to see them at least a few times. Um, I really think that there, that that there there are going to be a lot of fans that are going to be following that same track, that one, one shot's not going to be enough. We've waited so long. Um, <laughs> we've waited so long, in the words of Todd, um, that uh, I think a lot of people are going to be seeing multiple shows. Don't you think? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's sort of a, that's sort of a uh, top... I mean, the reality is, you never know when you're if these bands are ever going to tour again. You know, I mean, it may, yeah. Look at the situation with Ralph Shuckett. I mean, who would have thought that he couldn't tour or Roger couldn't tour anymore? I mean, this, you know, you hate to talk in those terms, but to me, I I just try to catch any artist that I haven't seen or someone that I saw that I want to see again, just because 
hey, you know, I, you never know. I mean, you never know with your own life what's going to happen. You know, you, you just you got to enjoy the ride, and you know, four Utopia shows are all going to be great shows. Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. No, I think I think you're completely right. I think you're completely right, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one who just feels so unbelie- unbelievably appreciative to the guys that the planets aligned. You know, uh, I think the fact that there was no Ringo tour really helped us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, because Hallelujah. Many years, you know, and don't get me wrong, the Ringo stuff is great, but but if 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 you ask me, what would I prefer to see? It would be Utopia, and it's been so long, and, and you know, every year when, even when I would ask Todd about this through the years, you know, he was doing multiple Ringo tours, and it was always, well, there's really no time to do it, I'm doing the Ringo tour. So, selfishly, I'm kind of happy that he's not doing the Ringo tour, because I don't think this would have happened had he been doing the Ringo tour. Oh, 100%. You agree? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the Ringo tour though, I mean, you know, it was a great it's a great tour. Sure. To that whole long, that whole long stint with Ringo is that it finally got Todd back in front of a, a, a bigger fan base that may not have seen him in a while and yeah. whatnot. And I feel like, you know, the pre Ringo tours, some of his solo shows weren't as well and even White Knight tour. I mean, you just saw some fans that you hadn't seen before, and, and Todd really won them over with some very strong material that, even though it was newer, it still was it still was very characteristic of, of his whole career, and, and people seemed to embrace that stuff. So, but, yeah, I, I don't know how you could play the exact same set for six years in any band, but there's a lot of, a lot of classic rock bands that do it. You're right. Yeah. And Todd's well, guys, not one person. I'll tell you what, um, uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like winding this down. I know it's tax day. Some people need to get to the post office. <laughs> Shame on you for waiting till the last second. But um, let's see. We we have covered the tour books or tour book, and we've listened to some interviews with Gil, the new keyboardist for Utopia. and John That was Ward such Cuffey. a great interview, by the way. Um, I got to interview Gil, but it was only – it was while um, they were in the, the midst of rehearsal, so it was, a, it was a, shorter, a shorter interview. But, my God, you know, I love Roger Powell to death, and I was extremely worried when Ralph was un, unable to do it. And I did interview Ralph, actually, um, um, uh, you know, for, for the project, and you know, there's a little bit from Ralph about the records, but obviously, I, I didn't include the stuff where he's talking about the tour since he's not a part of it. But after I saw those videos online, and uh, Tom mentioned to Gil about uh, you know the, the the drum machine type or the, whatever the drum stuff that he's doing while he's playing, I mean, it was just it was blowing my mind. If there's someone that can play that Roger Powell stuff and really be faithful to it it's it's going to be this guy and he comes off as such a nice kind gentleman um and i just feel really happy for him that he's going to have that opportunity uh to play for a lot of people and people will get turned on to his talents agreed 
Okay. Well, listen, I just got a text message from Doug saying he's going to upload your song, Ken. So we have to talk for a little bit longer. Awesome. If that's okay, because I I think you want people to hear hear your song. But um, um, so these interviews, like you said, you just interviewed Gil. A little short thing. Do will that make it to the tour book? Was it in time to make it in there? No, it was too. It was too late for the tour book. Um, the tour books had to be. Um, they had to be uh, done by a certain date, um, and it was. It would have been too late to to have gotten Gill into the tour book, but I think Goldmine is going to run. Um, I think they're going to run online the interview with Gill. It's a short interview, but it's still good. Um, I think they're going to run that online um, okay. either before or after the print issue comes out. Okay. <clears throat> and do you know what month the gold mine is going to come out? Yeah, it's going to be out later this month. I think it's okay. going to probably. I think it will be out by the end of April. Now I I know that I've got a a copy of a gold mine magazine uh, from not that long ago. I can't remember how I came upon it. It, I don't know if that's something that that you commonly find on the on newsstands, or uh, can you just order one copy? You know. I think yeah. I think you can do both. I, I've actually asked the editor to put together a um, an image of the cover with that information that we can get up for some of the sites for people that can't find the magazine. I think Barnes and Noble carries it. Tom, do you ever do you do you, can you find Goldmine? I remember when the the last time that um at one point they were only printing for the subscribers and like when the Utopia article came out that you did that we all had to special order it somehow. Um, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it on the stands in a long time. When I was growing up, I used to get it all the time. It was uh paper type that well, I it, it, it's actually rolling. back on it, it's it's definitely back on the stands um it, I, I know in Barnes and Noble Barnes and Noble carries it so if anyone has a Barnes and Noble in their neighborhood they should definitely check it out but I think Goldmine certainly will be will be posting about the article and for people that want to get it um the cover story uh, I think they'll be able to order it, I think, directly from the magazine, too. But, yeah, it's a great magazine. I've been writing for them for, oh, my God, I don't, I don't even want to say how long, probably since the late 90s. Wow. A long a long time. A long time. Yeah, I mean, if you were co- if you were collecting records at any point in your life, you you know, you obviously have a, a, a serious affection for Goldmine, which, again, makes it a great place for bands like, Utopia bands like the Tubes or you know yeah. different artists like that that really had cult followings because yeah. I you know I use the term once uh, completist you know like people that are out there that literally collect everything that the band has ever recorded so they'll like buy this new Roast Utopia box set and your tour book and all that stuff they have all of those recordings on 18 different formats it's just knowing that it's going to be in a in a different box and maybe a different presentation it's it's cool, but yeah, I mean, it's, you're doing a great service to the fans because a lot of these tour books they used to be like eight pages, and you'd pay twenty bucks for them and kind of feel yeah. ripped off. So I'm excited that it's uh, that it's meaty because I, I think you as a fan understand what we want as well. Kind of like the musicians in Utopia, I think, have that kind of relationship with their fans as well. 
understanding what kind of songs that, that we want to hear. Yeah, I mean, well, that's exactly, but, you know, beyond being a writer, you know, and, and I know you are as, as well, you know, we're huge fans of Todd and this band, so I'm completely right there with you. You know, I'm completely right there with you. I, I didn't want to do a 16-page tour book, you know, with just a, a, a photo on each page and, and some credits and that's it. You know, I wanted to, I kind of I kind of went over the top with the page count. To, I kind of pushed it. But um, I just I just really felt the band deserved it, and um, it's a really really cool thing to, uh, to to hold my hands. I went on Facebook when when I actually um, got the first copy, and I posted a photo holding up holding the book. I mean, the book was a it was it was it was not always clear sailing. I have to admit, there were there there were times that it looked like it may not happen, and um, it. Uh, just the fact that it does exist is a great victory, <laughs> you know, um, is a great victory. And it's just, you know, I, I, it's something I'm, I'm really proud to share with the fans. I, okay. I, I guess I've had a question in my mind. Is a tour book, because I, I don't remember any tour books, but like as a child, I remember, you know, going to the circus with my family or going to a Broadway show and, and you could buy these, I called them like coffee book magazines. They weren't really yeah. books. They were. Is it kind of like that? It's the size. It's, it's the size of a magazine. It's on much heavier stock. Um, much right. much heavier stock stock paper. And I and um, I, I was real happy that I was able to push for the. Um, I know that they've been using the logo um, that is much more redolent of the the first era of the band. And that's a really cool logo. Don't get me wrong, but I, I've always been very, very partial to the um, the ultimate logo for what I for what I consider the the best of Utopia is the Adventures in Utopia logo. So I just feel so proud that that logo is on the cover of the tour book. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. That is the to me that is by far and away the logo. You know, I mean, like I don't know. It's just, oh yeah. It's so distinct. I mean, oh, you know, and while I'm sorry, Tom. Sorry, Tom. Go, oh, no, go, go on. No, 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 no. Go on, and then, and then I'll, I'll, I'll mention what I was going to say. Well, I was just going to say I, I love the POV makeup of the Utopia logo, as with the the, the Oblivion one as well. But yeah, yeah. I, I just I, every time I see that that logo, just the way it was done symmetrically, it really just it really just kind of captures. I don't know. It, it it is what I think of when I think of the four piece utopia. And I think yeah. the one that you said that they're putting out on the Facebook page and the Todd store and everything, that sort yeah. of reminds me a little bit more of the, the prog rock version. It is. It is. And you know, I have to give a shout out to, to the, the, my, my friend who's an amazing designer, John Sellards, who designed the tour book. In fact, with that logo, he had to actually redraw that logo from the original, um, uh, so it, it would be able to be used in that, that high-quality format, and he was able to do it. And what's really cool is a little bit more about the tour book is because the Adventures album was their most popular, and, and it's certainly one that I love, and I loved all the imagery. There, there's a consistency of imagery throughout the book where, you know, one page will have, you know, the backdrop will be the, 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 the sky with stars, and then the other page will be the kind of the color bar look you know, the various color bar look that was on the back cover of um of Adventure. So it really it really has a has a pretty cool 
consistency of aesthetics in terms of 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 the visuals. But yeah, he actually hand drew um, that logo um, for the cover, and it looks perfect. Looks really good. Go go to uh, I don't I don't know if we're Facebook friends. I hope we if we're not that 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 you'll friend me, um, Tom. But um, oh, absolutely. Go to, Go to my page and you'll you'll see you'll see what the tour book cover. Same thing with you, Mel. You'll see what the tour book looks like. I'm holding it up in um, in the photo. Yeah. Hey, I want to I, I want to also comment. By the way, um, Doug did get your song uploaded just now, so we will be able to play it. But oh, awesome. speaking about Thank your you song, so one of the pictures, uh, one of the photos that I saw had the uh, the cardboard pyramid. With your oh, face yeah, on, yeah. Oh my God, that's really funny. It's Fer- Fernando's girlfriend, Cindy Tressel, is a really great editor, and she, uh, Fernando, came up with the idea of that. That's on top of his piano. Now it's in his studio, the Raw Pyramid. Um, and in fact, um, I have a new album coming out fairly soon. And in my video, we we already uh, shot the video for what will be the first single. First single, you know, um, uh, and. <laughs> There's a couple shots where you can see the the Rob pyramid thing on the top, and actually you're you're mainly seeing Willie's face. But Fernando Perdomo had the idea that because there were three people involved with the song, I wrote it, but I recorded it with Fernando and and Rob Bonfilio did did great background vocals on it. He thought it would be really cool for um, us to kind of replicate that. For the, it's for the really funny. The <laughs> and Cindy did a great job. She was able to. John Sellards did the the overall design of the single, but Cindy designed it and was able to uh, Photoshop us in the pyramid. <laughs> so that's our wow. <laughs> that's our that's our tip of the hat. So, yeah, I mean we're complete Todd Utopian nerds. I mean we are we are full on and we're proud of it. Good for you. Good for you. Well, oh, why don't yeah. we listen to your song because we're we are coming to a, a, the the hard end of the show, and cool. um, uh, but. We'll listen to your song, and then we'll come back and we'll say our good nights. Excellent. So Thank hopefully, you guys so much. please listen. Such a pleasure talking to you guys.
is God and the drinks are on me. Utopia. Every boy and girl is a rock and roll star and every spaceship filled with electric guitars. Utopia. Ken Sharp's song, Utopia, and, and I know you said Fernando was on there, and who was the other guy? Yeah, Fernando Perdomo and Rob Bonfilio. Okay, okay, very the three nice. three people in the pyramid, the three people in the pyramid. <laughs> well, I'm glad that uh, Doug got home in time to upload that. Oh, and that's so nice, you guys. Thank you so much. Hey, no, no, no. Thank you to you and to Tom Jennings tonight. Tom, you've been a wonderful co-host as always. Mel, I, I, you know, I said at the beginning of the show, I, I really look forward to these opportunities, and uh, I'm sure we'll do it again. And I would be remiss if I didn't thank Doug because, uh, you know, Doug gave me the opportunity to sit in his chair tonight, and it's those are some huge shoes to fill. You know, Gil, Gil's got some big shoes to fill with uh, Roger Powell, but. I uh, got the big shoes to fill as well tonight, sitting in for Doug. And, Ken, what an honor, man. Love the song. I think you and I someday should drink a lot of beers together and talk music for about 20 hours. <laughs> it could happen. It could ha- Come on out to L.A. for one of the shows. <laughs> yeah, my good, my good friend Tom Atkins is out there, so he's always begging me to come out to L.A., so maybe we'll have to make that happen. But my friend request for Facebook's on the way, so... Excellent, excellent. So great to talk to you guys, and thank you so much. I'm so excited um, that in less than 24 hours, our band is going to be back out there. I know. Yeah. It's it's my it's like Christmas Eve. It's wonderful. It's, it's mm. amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Let this well, let listen, this not be a dream. For... Let this let let this not be a dream. No, it's <laughs> not. <laughs> it's really going to happen. All right, guys, thank you so much, and uh, don't know when we're going to be back here on Rundgren Radio, but I do want to get in one last pimping job here. Uh, The party in the Cleveland area, Rundgren Radio's year 11, is May 18th. If you are interested, we'd love to have any and all of you to come to the party. The site where you can find all the information is at rrpartyutopia.com. And we'll see you the next time we see you. Hi, everybody. This is Todd Rundgren, and you're listening to RundgrenRadio.com. <laughs>